This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Welcome to a special edition of Secrets of Wealthy Women about one of the key steps to any successful career, education. At a recent event in Manhattan, the 8th Annual Ellie Awards Luncheon honored Hillary Clinton, Sheila C. Johnson, and Deirdre Quinn. The event championed women who overcame adversity to achieve their ultimate educational goals. Sheila C. Johnson, co-founder of BET and CEO of Salamander Hotels, and Deirdre Quinn, CEO of Lafayette 148 New York, were both honored with awards. In a conversation moderated from the stage by Paula Zahn, they spoke about women and leadership. Deirdre Quinn. I think as you walk, you know, you walk into a school, and in this case, it's the school in Chantau, and there's 350 children that were never given a chance to learn to read, to write. They, they really would have no future. They're migrant workers' children, and they were sitting on the floor. And to give those kids a basic education and watch them flourish, and some of them, the school's uh, 10 years old now, so some of them are already out of college, and they're back in the school, giving back to other children. So it, it's such a beautiful circle. Sheila C. Johnson on why education remains key to the advancement of women's leadership. And I have to say, mine's on a different level. And I've been all my life either giving money to schools from elementary school all the way, not quite college, but um, one of the things that I've learned in my later years in life and watching carefully that um, I wanted to, there are a lot of young men and women from underserved communities that have gone to college, but they can't get beyond that. And I started a fellowship program because I wanted to reach out to students who are really going to really run for public office and, and, and work in education to really change communities and in the healthcare industry. We um, searched high and low. We had over 272 candidates, and every year I put 10 of them through the Kennedy School. Uh, they call me Mama J. And not only, it's not just setting up a program, but I also had to build a safety net from, for them. You can give money away and you can say, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but you have to build a support group for them to make sure they're successful. I'm just not going to throw money away anymore. I needed that safety net. And these kids have all been unbelievably successful. We had the first African-American woman, Amemi, who became president of the Harvard Law Review. And she's one of my fellows. And I just... Um, and they will be with me the rest of my life. I mean, some of them now move to Washington, but we get together once, twice a year, and we spend a whole week together. And I bring speakers in, we talk about issues, what's going on in their lives personally, but I'm going to follow them until I drop dead. <laughs> That's a wonderful legacy yeah. that you leave behind. And if you could give a word of advice to some of the fellows here in this room, we've heard how... Uh, because they've gotten a second chance at, uh, or actually in some cases a first chance at getting an education, how it's allowing them to realize dreams they probably never entertained earlier on in their lives. Um, I, I do believe that education is, is, is everything. I, uh, I only have an associate's degree, so I struggled a little bit more. 
um, in my career feeling that that was a handicap for myself. Um, being at FIT and watching Joyce with 10,000 kids a year and, and just knowing that one of them eventually could end up, you know, or many of them doing what we're doing and that we just help each other and, and just support them. I'm always available when, when people have questions. It, it looks like a very glamorous job, but to be honest, it's, it, you know, fashion is also a very difficult job. Um, there is a lot of uh, pressure to, to every season you're judged in our business, every day. It's how much you sold and how do you reinvent yourself. I mean, certainly the whole world has changed. We started the company by opening five retail stores our first year. We closed five retail stores our first year. And it didn't kill us, so, you know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. And it, it's just sheer determination. Don't give up. Never give up. I definitely don't. Yeah, and I'll just reiterate what she said. Just don't give up. But there's one thing I want you all to do. If you could take a few minutes every day, you have got to know who you are. You're never going to make it in life if you don't appreciate, love yourself, and you know you have the passion to do something. But, but more than anything, really figure out who you really are. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it something you can do that you feel passionate about? But you have to take care of number one, and that's yourself. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was also honored and delivered the keynote address. We have seen progress in our lifetimes, but let's be clear. There is a woeful lack of women in the upper reaches of science and technology, business and finance, not to mention politics and government. And across the private sector, Women, particularly women of color, still struggle for representation in that C-suite and the boardroom. They receive only a fraction of the venture capital that men do. So thank you, Sheila, for doing We Capital and providing more women the chance to get ahead. And as we've been reminded in recent months, the scourge of sexual harassment still prevents too many women from achieving their full potential. The New York Times published a stunning investigation. If you haven't read it, go back and read it. It found that some of the most prestigious companies in America routinely discriminate against women for being pregnant. They are passed over for promotions and raises. They are sidelined, even fired. So, here at the forum, you know it isn't enough for individual women to climb the career ladder. We have to lift up our colleagues and peers and make that climb easier for future generations. I've seen the importance of mentorship in my own life. In fact, Don and I served together on the board of the Children's Defense Fund under the leadership of Marion Wright Edelman. And seeing in action how other women can mentor those who are coming up and give them space to grow their wings and fly. I've tried to do my part to mentoring uh, young women. And it's one of the reasons, reasons I started an organization called Onward Together to encourage the next generation of leaders uh, to solve problems, to fight for progressive values. But in addition to supporting each other, we also have to be fierce advocates for the changes we need that will help level the playing field for all women. 
like fighting for affordable childcare, something Ellie did uh, for many years, for fighting for paid family leave, not only here in New York, but across America. Years of data and personal experience confirms that encouraging women's full participation in economic, political, and social life is not only the right thing to do, it is also smart. So when I was Secretary of State, I made it part of my mission to reach out to governments to encourage them, even educate them, um, about how much better off they would be economically for one measure uh, if they were able to lift up women's lives. Because countries that embrace women's full rights are more prosperous with lower rates of poverty and higher gross domestic products. And even when it comes to conflict, when women are at the peace table, countries are more likely to reach peace agreements and those agreements are longer lasting. But beyond the workplace, we have an urgent imperative to stand up for the human rights of women and girls around the world and here at home. So despite the challenges we face, organizations like the New York Women's Forum fill me with hope for the future. And so does the rising tide of women here in New York and across our country who are speaking up and speaking out, competing, and yes, even running for office. And so does the strength and resilience of the Education Fund Fellows. You are the history makers, the glass ceiling breakers of today and tomorrow. So thank you to the forum. Thanks for all you've done. And here's to the work ahead. Onward. Coming up more on the Education Fund of the Women's Forum and why education remains key to the advancement of women's leadership. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM. Let's create. Got a question about finance or business? Then write podcasts at DowJones.com. Please include your first name and hometown, and we may read your email in a future episode. Again, that's podcasts at DowJones.com. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. Welcome back to a special edition of Secrets of Wealthy Women. This year marks the 31st anniversary of the Education Fund of the Women's Forum, which helps women overcome adversity and complete their college degrees. Backstage at the event, we learned more about the personal struggles women face when trying to complete their higher education and about the success stories that make it all worth it. Linda A. Willett, president of the Women's Forum of New York, discusses how women can work to overcome adversity and how education can lead them to many kinds of success. Why do you think there's that delay in professional maturity with women versus men, it sounds like? Part of it is, uh, is how women come in to their careers. 
Um, sometimes women come into their careers later in life. I became a lawyer when I was 40 years old, um, and then my career really took off after that. I had other careers before I was 40, but my law career was later. Um, so if a woman enters a career later in life, that's a delay. Another is childbearing years. Uh, if a woman takes is off ramps for her family uh, years, she may come back into the work world at a later age. And women still get promoted more slowly than men get promoted, again, because corporations still are led by men. And so all of those things serve to really keep women from getting to their higher level of their career until usually mid-50s, sometimes 60. What's your advice to women who are coming from a less privileged background who are trying to compete with people who are already privileged and are in these positions? So that's a very topical thing these days. We're reading in the New York Times that high school students that get selected for the magnet schools have a better uh, pathway than the students who don't get selected for them. So competing with others is, I think, something that we always have to do in our lives. Um, again, I think it's early. It's good to, as early in life as possible, is to create a social network that will sustain you. I think volunteerism is critically important, um, even at the high school level, high school and college, starting to volunteer. These are unpaid jobs, but they teach you how to give back to others. And they teach you how to be noticed. When I read resumes uh, for lawyers that are applying to jobs at my company, I don't look at where they graduated from law school. I don't look at their GPA. I look at where they've worked. But I always go to the bottom of the resume and I look to see if they have volunteered. Because that says something about you. It says that you're willing to make a commitment to others. And I think if women do that, young women in high school and in college, then that helps to distinguish them, which is what competition is all about. It's important for women to give back, or is it important for women to give back financially, use their financial resources to help other women? I personally think it's very important. I was raised in a family that although we had very little, we were constantly told it's important to give back to others, that we always had a little more, so share with somebody who had a little less. So growing up that way, I had, a, I will say, a philanthropic bent. I was lucky to marry a husband who has the exact same philosophy. And so in our private lives, we feel it's important to give back. And I tend to associate myself with organizations that are based on giving back. You know, in the Women's Forum, it's composed of 550 women who are tremendously successful. And our founder, Eleanor Guggenheimer, felt it was important as you become successful, to also give back. And I think it's what makes us human, and it's very important to do that. Eileen Wax, president of the Education Fund of the Women's Forum of New York, speaks about how the Education Fund changes the lives of women. Our Education Fund is very important because it enables a unique demographic of women. Uh, they're 35 and older, they're mature, they have a significant life experience. They're working two and three jobs, many of them. They have children. They're paying high rents, New York City rents. And this fund is important because it enables them to perhaps you know, let go of a job and focus on getting their degree, staying in school and staying the course. And what's beautiful about it is that the uh, financial awards are flexible because they're not scholarships, 
that are only designated to pay tuition because in essence, we believe that getting a college education is not just about tuition. Sometimes it's about tuition, but sometimes it's about books or transportation or childcare or just paying the rent. Beverly Ellers, a Woman's Forum fellow, joined us with her firsthand account of how her life was changed. Well, my history, I'm, I'm formerly incarcerated and um, just trying to find job opportunities, um, just the, the collateral consequence of being incarcerated. You know, sometimes people don't want to give you the opportunity. And I started to volunteer a lot in my community. And um, I had been passed over for jobs because I lacked the credentials. And so, um, you know, I made a decision to go to school, but Jabari played a part in that too because he questioned me. Um, you know, I was such an advocate for him in school. He did question, like, you know, why I wasn't in school. But the biggest adversity, it was overcoming that uh, that stigma, um, which is not a stigma no more. I, I don't own it. I don't own it. Um, I'm going to school. I'm being empowered in organizations like the Women's Forum who has increased my social currency. It's kind of helped me overcome the barrier. So maybe, maybe one of the things that I have overcome is mindset, you know, because, you know, having a criminal history is, is a thing, but it's really the thinking and, and how people invest in you and how they judge you. Um, I think that's one of the, one of the biggest adversities that I've overcome is just uh, believing that I can, that I can do it and people around me supporting me and encouraging me and let me know I, I'm worthy. So can you just explain like what you mean by the mindset? Like what was like that mindset? The mindset, it was because, you know, so many, uh, there were so many experiences that I had where people, uh, I guess, wouldn't open the door for me or told me I couldn't do it or they judged me because of my background. Um, that's what I meant, you know, and then that kind of sets in, you know, that kind of sets in. You you start to believe that. Um, I mean, I, I could say many things, but for me, I think it's best that I walk it out, right? That I live it out. And that, um, like, I not only say it, but I live it out. And I set an example, which I have done, like, in my community. I live in the Bronx. Um, there are many people I've lived over there for some time. And because I'm walking it out, like, now, every now and then, I might have somebody ring my bell. Like, this morning when I was leaving... There's a lady that lives next door. She's not really knowledgeable in college. So after I leave here, I'm actually going to go back to my block and help her daughter through the process. So I'm walking it out, and I'm uh, like a living example. So I wind up getting this fellowship, but what has happened is it's helped my son, and now it's like diffusing to like my home community. Where do you get your resilience from? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just determined. Like I, I honestly don't know. But I think that um, not, you know, just speaking about motivation, I'm really motivated to not only help myself, but to help others around me. Like, I'm just really kind of obsessed with cultivating community and do and, you know, do what I can. Yeah. What's your goal for the future? So my goal for the future is, OK, so I'm in school, um, I'm majoring in sociology and I decided to minor in human rights. And um, as of present, my goal is to secure a position where I can impact policy or impact the bills that are coming that impact people in my communities. Um, initially, when I went to school, like I wanted to be a social worker, but then just being in school kind of opened up another part of me. I want to be somewhere that 
it definitely impacts policy and laws. And I really feel like that's where I'm going. So I may be exploring some law in another year. Um, and I believe that I identify some mentors. I'm set to go to Washington at the end of this month to join an organization called Ignite, and it's women, another, another woman organization. And what they do is they mentor women that may possibly want to go into politics. So I'm just going to explore and see, you know, if, if that's a fit for me. But I definitely want to impact. I want to make impact on my community. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for listening to a special edition of Secrets of Wealthy Women. Stay tuned for future episodes featuring Angie's List founder, Angie Hicks, and fashion designer, Nicole Miller. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos with special help from J.R. Whalen. John Wardock is the executive producer of WSJ Podcasts. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening.